now. In other words, the stuff works, I guess, right? <laughs> you could go so far as to say that one sentence that you just said is another complete statement of the entire teaching of the Buddha. Okay. Uh, this stuff works. Yeah. Yeah. I love when we can wrap it up <laughs> very tightly like that. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, the Buddha was the first to do that. That actually is in Sutta number 22 in the simile of the snake. Mm. And that the simile of the snake is told in the sense that uh, um, there's many different ways to grab a snake. Almost all of them, the snake will bite you. Yes. If you pick it up by the tail, if you pick it up in the middle, if you pick it up even uh, close to its head, it'll bite you. Even if you get it by the throat, it'll turn around and bite you. You've got to grab it by the by the head you've got mm -hmm. to grab it with with uh, uh by the throat with your hand on its head to make sure that that mouth doesn't open there's the only one way to grab a snake if Absolutely. you grab it by the throat is it'll grab you it'll come around and it'll bite that's an important quality you've got to bite uh, you got to grab the dhamma by the head of the dhamma you cannot buy, grab it anywhere else. And that, that that statement then that the Buddha made about the fire has to have a fuel. That's grabbing it by the head. Because anything else that we grab that snake by, it's going to turn around and bite us. And the Buddha was making a big point of that in that sutta, that it is dangerous for you to not understand this. I mean, he questioned and re-questioned the monks in that sutta to make sure that they get that that fire must have a fuel. And when that fuel is gone, the, the fire is, is likely to, to go out. I think so that directly ties to what I was saying in that text message that I sent you on Skype about how no matter what, in any situation, if your mind goes to the past or the future in an ignorant way, it's going to be painful no matter what. So in that same way, if you grab the snake incorrectly, in, in any scenario, you're going to get bit. Mm -hmm. There's kind of no getting around that. And I, the, the inspiration behind me like telling you that was that um, I know it, I had this one day where maybe like yesterday or so. And I, I was very, uh, I don't know, I just, I think I was just very sensitive to, to what the mind was doing. And I could just see each time my mind would go to the past, it would be very painful. And I was like, I just need to like be very mindful and not let my mind go and into unwholesome places because it, it's like suffering. That is, in fact, one of the ways of looking at the word determination. That is the determination. Uh, and that uh, the word determination um, 
is a much better word to use than other languages or religions would use words like devotion. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Or dedication. Well, we're not really devoted to anything and we're not uh, uh, dedicated in that way. That in fact, you could almost see how the self and uh, personality is built into devotion and dedication, like devoted to a deity or a boss, uh, uh, to where this idea of determination is that we are determined to stay out of that mess. That's, yeah. that's the difference, okay? Yeah. Uh, devotion almost is like going to something but determination is more of, of, of avoidance or of, um, let us call it setting boundaries. How about resolve? Resolve. Okay. That's another good word. Resolved. Determined. Um, some people will actually use the word bound, like bound and determined, and that's not the kind of determination that I mean, because the bound is bound, it's tied up, it's uh, I am bound to go in that direction, and that I'm trying to point out this the exact opposite of that, it is um, by, by setting boundaries, what we're doing is, is that we're just merely creating a safe place. Yes. And that safety then is also the feeling of safety and security and the feeling of freedom. That in fact, uh, there is no physical boundaries. The, 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 the boundaries that we're setting up is, is that we're not going to go into dangerous places in our own mind. The very dangerous places that we actually created by learning how to get along in our society, we created that dangerous, critical thinking. Mm -hmm. And to now we're recognizing, hey, it's dangerous in there. Yeah. Reminds me of a, um, a TV series. Maybe you know it. Uh, it was about um, a police detective that had gotten fired because he was nuts and that he was in therapy and he had all kinds of things, but he was an extremely good detective. And so they would keep bringing him back in. His name was Monk. Oh, I've, uh, I've heard of it. That's like a USA TV TV show. I'm pretty sure I, I've heard of it. A, right. Okay. Yeah. So it had a theme song. And the theme song was, is this a jungle out there? Mm. Okay, and they're talking yeah. about it in the sense of uh, police in the city and, uh, and the concrete jungle and all of that kind of stuff. And that uh, we could say, well, well, wait a minute. Man was, in fact, in a jungle from the very beginning. Hundreds of thousands of years ago, it might have been the savannas, but it was a jungle. Yes. And that we have kept our jungle mentality, even though we've been able to build cities that are supposedly free from jungle, and yet now it's still a jungle. It's a concrete jungle. 
You you could take the man out the jungle, but you can't take the jungle out the man. Ah, <laughs> you're getting to it, uh huh. Okay, because I kept changing that song from "It's a Jungle Out There" into the phrase "It's a Jungle in Here," mm. because that's where the jungle is. The jungle, that dangerous place, is something that we create in our own mind, and we think that it's in the concrete jungle. The jungle is out there. No, the jungle is not out there. Yeah. All we have is a bunch of passive people working around in an absolutely marvelous city. And every one of those people have the attitude that it's a jungle out there. That's what creates the jungle is the attitude of the people in the city. Yeah. You know, and, and I agree with and one thing that comes to mind on that is like the analogy with the stove or the hot coal. Mm -hmm. But I think that that analogy is not as thorough as some of the ones that we were talking about just now, because I mean, in reality, if it really was like a hot coal, then you just wouldn't, you wouldn't really touch it. Like it, it is a hot coal. You there's the problem is that the hot coal doesn't have any properties of like uh, any good properties to it. Any like desirable properties that makes you want to grab it. Do you know what I mean? Cause like, if it really was like a hot stove, then you're, you're, you would bounce off of that immediately and you wouldn't even need to practice. Um, in that regard, who's more likely to get burned? Who's more likely to get burned? The customer who comes into the restaurant, the waiter, or the cook? Who's likely this evening to get burned? The cook. I rest my case. So the person who can see the Duke of Moore is more likely to get burned? No. Is that what you're the, saying? The, in, in fact, everybody else knows that the fire is dangerous, but the cook mm. does not see the danger in it. If when he does see the danger, uh, he's away from it. No, when he's cooking, he sees the gratification. It cooks his food. It gives him a job. It makes him famous. Mm. The people in the uh, in the audience, they clap when he comes out. Oh, the chef, chef. Okay. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. He's the one who cannot see the danger of the fire because he's stuck in the gratification of it. Mm. Yeah. Yes. In that scenario, there's a gratification associated with the stove. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or I, I suppose you could say... And yet he's the one who's most likely to get burned. And yet you told me just the other, just the opposite of that. Yeah. Well, I was just <laughs> kind of saying, because like as an adult, we know. But I guess you could say like a baby, there's an allure to the stove. It's red, it's hot, I mean, it's bright. Or there's the other possibility. A lot of hot, sto a lot of hot coals do not glow red. Hmm. Yeah. That sometimes you cannot tell the difference between a glowing hot coal and a, a lump of coal. Yeah, that's true. Yes, that's true. Right. <laughs> you don't, oftentimes you don't know that thing is yeah. hot, but you yeah. might see some utility in it. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is that major teaching of the Buddha that we see only the gratification. And because we see the gratification, that's what binds us, that we go after what we want. We cling to that. But once we can see the danger, now we have the possibility of escape. Yes. That's the see, issue. 
uh, is is that with with the uh, seeing of the danger or seeing of the dukkha, this is why the uh, is number one on um, the eightfold noble or the the four noble truths. This is the first noble truth, mm-hmm. um, and it needs to be revisited over and over and over again. Then, in fact, when we pack everything together into that tight little package. Dukkha, Dukkha, Naroda, guess where? That's the, the word that's left, is Dukkha is the first word. Absolutely. I like the phrase because of uh, uh, both uh, Bob Marley and uh, uh, Bobby McFerrin, the, the song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Okay. You know that song? I like that phrase. But if you listen to it, don't worry, which means... That's one of the hindrances. Don't have hindrances. Just be happy. That's the teaching of the Buddha. It's basically Dukkha Dukkha Naroda translated very precisely. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is. It's, and uh, that's why I call it the sloppy translation of Buddha's most important teaching. Yeah. Don't worry. Be happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Goenka had his phrase, and that was, never mind, start again got to say it right (laughs) yes i catch myself saying it sometimes and then i'll repeat it because i knew i didn't say it correctly that time say let's ease it not just never mind start again it's never mind you know like really drag it out and very very (laughs) nurturing never mind start again Mm -hmm. that's the right way to do it okay so this freedom that we are then talking about which is actually kind of strange freedom because it's got a lot of boundaries we don't go into dangerous areas but other than that we're good to go so and these by the way these dangerous places that we don't go are in the one's own mind anyway that it's not a physical place and and so we have to make sure that we're not talking about setting up boundaries like I do not go to that city or I do not go to that country, though in a way I've already kind of set those boundaries because I don't have any reason to go to the United States. And so it's kind of off limits to me. <laughs> I I wouldn't recommend coming back. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like uh, things are good there. So... Um, that whole idea of, of freedom and the feelings that go with it can be expressed as kind of a heavenly state of mind. Mm-hmm. And that this is what the, uh, Jesus was teaching in the sense of uh, that the kingdom of God is within you, that you can, in fact, have that heavenly state on your own. And there were many, many things that the Buddha taught and that Jesus taught that fit right together. One of the ongoing, several ongoing conversations I had with uh, Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa was whether or not uh, Jesus had influence from Buddhism. Mm. And Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa took the position that it doesn't matter ultimately but at the granular or detailed level that the Dhamma is the Dhamma, that anybody can see it. The Buddha even said that there had been many Buddhas before him 
and that he'd merely found an old path that had already been well trodden. Mm. That there was so, nothing the Buddha said was original. And mm. for that reason, um, uh, we can also see that things like the Lord's uh, Prayer and the Golden Rule and many other of the very famous teachers of Jesus turn out to be pre-Jesus. He picked yeah. that stuff up and was passing it along because it was yeah. good stuff and it worked. And so this was Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa's position was yeah. is that Jesus didn't need to know crackers about Buddhism or anything about it. He could have gotten all of that stuff. It was freely available at the time. Mm -hmm. But we do know that there were connections between uh, India and uh, um, uh, the Mediterranean area. And that one of the interesting points is about that the mummification in Egypt was only done in the very, very ancient times for kings. But starting at about 300 B.C., which was about the time that uh, Alexander the Great went to India, we're talking about that time of a soak, and there was a lot of stuff that happened in um, 300 to 250 B.C., a lot of interactions and, and whatnot. And so it could have been that time because that's when all of a sudden mummies started popping up all over the place. Why? Mm. Because they got the idea from the Brahmins that anybody could be reborn if you're buried properly. Yeah. So Which they take fit right in with theirs. That's why the Brahmins got all of the land in India at one point was because that was the price of getting uh, buried by or uh, having a funeral rites done by them on the shores of the Ganges and, and all of that at Varanasi. They still do that. They still get a lot of land. People all over India will give the Brahmins land so that they can get a high-class funeral. Wow. All right. Magical thinking is one hell of a thing. <laughs> uh, it really, really is. But you one hell of a drug. In fact, the way that the Brahmins and the way that the Levites ran their temple was very, very similar. And okay. that many things through history happened almost like in the same century. Levites as in Christianity? Right. The Levites, like in uh, the Jewish, uh, the Levites were the one who ran the temple, the, the Pharisees okay. and the scribes. Okay. These are the guys who ran the place, much like the modern day Christians are today. Mm. And Jesus was complaining about them. And the, and the Buddha had to work with the Brahmins also because of all of their, the use of magic, basically, was able, they, with the use of magic, they were able to control the masses that, bought the, that built the society. And Jesus and the Buddha came by and said, nah, 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 nah. ah, look at what's going on here. But each yeah. one of them did it in his own way. Now, the question well, that's is... More, so one quick thing, that's more reason for him to do the whole uh, meeting people where they are versus like today, maybe you don't have to do that so much because Christianity maybe doesn't have such a um, authoritarian hold on the world. Right. Would you say? Mm -hmm. oh. Yes. But what happened with the, uh, <clears throat> both of them? And as a side point, Islam all brings Islam in in a moment, but both Buddhism and Christianity went sour. Even though these uh, um, uh, two teachers had brought up a lot of um, 
not not necessarily followers, but they were leaders in in a movement of rebellion okay. against the old religions of the time. Mm. And yet, over a period of time, those uh, rebellions against religions did nothing more than become the predominant religion of the moment. Okay. But in fact, what really turned Buddhism into a religion was when it became the state religion of King Asok. Mm. That's when it became a religion. That's when it became a religion. Why? Because so many people came to become uh, monks from all of the other religions that there weren't enough good teachers of the te- uh, for the of the Buddha who really understood the teachings of the Buddha, so that he was there for uh, the entire new student body, and so the students taught each other, yeah. and a lot of what the students taught each other became the teachings of the Buddha in their minds. Yeah. So how how do we know that we have anything close to the real teaching of the Buddha? With that said, because of the plain facts of it, when you actually see what it is, you and you apply it and put it there, you can say, yes, it works. Mm -hmm. But we have to take the magic out of it because most of the people in the West see the idea of enlightenment or the idea of Buddhahood as something special. Mm -hmm. When in fact, it's the most ordinary thing in the world. It's absolutely not special. Just like keep in fact, it, it doesn't even give a flying rip about what special even means. Yeah. Yeah. And yet everybody's looking for something special. That's why they're not finding it. It's because it's really nothing at all. And that's the cosmic joke. The cosmic joke is, is that this this joke's got no punchline. <laughs> well, we we could say that feeling good is special, though. Like a lot of people don't feel good, you know. They want to feel special. That mm. in fact, our children are taught that they are special. Even if you never said that, but that's very common for the mothers to say, oh, you're so special, you're so precious, oh, I love you so much, oh, blah, 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 you know, and teach the kids that they're really special. But not only that, but the other side of it, do your homework, clean your room, come up to standards, is also in that same realm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, that you've got work to do here, that you're, you're special. You've got to, um, we do it with talking about destiny. There's a future for you. They talk about it uh, as soulmates or as uh, uh, what do you want to do when you grow up? Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they do it even more subtle ways like what's your favorite food and what's your favorite color? Why should I have a favorite color? I never had one. <laughs> Why should I? Why should I have a favorite food? Yeah. And yet adults ask this to kids, and kids ask this to kids, and it's all of a sudden, I'm supposed to have a favorite food. I'm supposed to have a favorite number. I'm supposed to have a favorite color. 
And I'm supposed to really have a favorite town to live in. The town that I live in is the one that is special, and we have to root for their football team, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, so all of this stuff collects around an I, me, and my concept. But getting back to the teachings of Jesus and the, and the Buddha, what happens with those religions, uh, um, or what happens is, is that they turn magical, when they start elevating the original guy. Like how high can in the air can you put Buddha? The answer is, well, we can start having magical stories about his birth. And the Christians over there say, yeah, but we can have magical stories about Jesus' birth too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. wow. Then we can have magical stories about how he died. And the Christians say, yeah, but we've got magical stories about how Jesus died, too. Okay, so these magical stories that come in is what elevates this this really, really good, easygoing practice that makes life really wonderful and really nice for not only the individual himself, but everybody around him. And that and turns that into um, a goal. for people to fail at, just one more thing to fail at. Yeah. Because it's too high up in the air. And so this is what gives rise then to Buddhism becoming religion with statements like, oh, we haven't had any arahats in thousand years. And oh, um, nobody meditated for centuries and then uh, uh mahasi or somebody uh because of the british come to burma that uh, uh the buddhists have to have something and so they invented meditation then that buddha didn't meditate there's actually some good way of looking at that that meditation is something that the buddha didn't do ever really he didn't there's no there's no word that can be translated properly as meditation anywhere in any huh he did anapanasati he said anapanasati exactly yeah and it's worth practicing yes but he didn't set a clock but now when people think about meditation generally the western idea of meditation is okay we picture a hall that's got a um, a dais on the front with Buddha Rupas, maybe a place for a monk to sit. Uh, The floor is completely bare without any furniture or pews, unlike a Christian church. And that the cushions are either um, already there, arranged for the people, or the people bring the cushions in and then they sit. But when they sit, they sit in certain formations and rows with the men on one side and the women on the other. And everybody has that kind of an idea about it. All right. Nothing like that is anywhere in any sutta anywhere. No. I'd like to be free from the clock myself. But with the way I do it and work again, and this is going to get into the next topic I wanted to bring up. But the way I do it in terms of like getting my my six doses a day of 10 minutes um, that I've been trying to do that, you know, during during the work day, I kind of got to put a limit on it, you know and make sure I'm not away for too, too long. That kind of thing. But uh, I wanted to talk about the working 
um, doing analytical work, um, reading things, just like working on my computer, doing math, things like that. Like while I'm doing these activities, I've, you know, I wanted to ask you, what do you think about how I can be mindful while doing those things? But one, I started like kind of messing around playing with it myself. And what I kind of found that I could do is, is sort of, uh, control control what i can so if i can remember to do like maybe some deep breathing that's one thing but if not then what i'm gonna what i do is like in the the thoughts i try to just have very uh congratulatory and like maybe nurturing thoughts on mm -hmm. whatever the task is or whatever comes up so even if it's something as small as opening a file or <laughs> if it's doing some math I was like, oh, you did a great job with that. Like you or you you plugged in this number here. Look at that. Fantastic. Uh, mm -hmm. Even if it's very small and just like even if it's not the complete task that's being done, if it's just one item that I'm doing, trying to uh, gladden the mind around that is, is what I've kind of been looking at. What do you think about that? That's that's excellent. OK, now uh, let's look at something else. And that is that there there probably for you, as well as many people, there's a lot of reading. You read. Mm -hmm. You read what's on the screen, okay? So, we can say that whatever is on the screen that's to be read, that's what is in the present moment for us. We have chosen that we're going to read, okay? Yeah. So, now that we're going to do that, we're going to now start watching Sati to keep reminding ourselves and to remember to ourselves, are we actually reading or not? Mm. Or has the mind started to think about what we're reading to the point that now I'm not actually reading anymore. I'm thinking about what I just read. Mm -hmm. And in fact, we stay reading. So that's because that's an, in fact, uh, a really excellent thing that's very similar to meditation except that now we're doing it with, with reading. Or if you're watching a video, keep remembering, I'm watching this video and I'm paying attention to this video and when something happens that distracts me to go someplace else, I remember, no, I'm watching this video and I'm gonna keep this video on the screen yeah. and I'm going to have my eyeballs on it, I'm going to have my ears on it and I'm going to watch it and I'm going to have the, um, the sati to remember to keep doing that. Or if I've grown tired of it for some reason, then I can switch it off and go do something else happily. But if I'm going to read something, I'm going to read it. If I'm going to watch a video, I'm going to watch it. Mm -hmm. And yet a lot of students will watch a video and while they're watching about watching the video, instead of enjoying the video, they're saying things like, oh, I ought to be going and doing meditation. Why yeah. am I watching this video when I could be sitting on the cushion? The answer is, why can't you sit on <laughs> Why can't you do it both at the same time? Why can't you practice, be here now, while you're doing something here now? Another is, one, Dan. That, that is the, you want to go ahead? What's the go other ahead. one? I've um, got another one. But okay. You, uh, and I'm so... I'm definitely not reading uh, entertaining novels that like will gladden my mind for me. I'm reading uh, legal documents like, you know, leases and loan agreements and things like that. So even, you know, what you're saying, you know, I understand be here now and read and I and I'm going to 
try that now. But how do I incorporate a gladdening of the mind portion there when I'm reading like a legal I document? I get this. I'm on top of this legal document. Mm. I got that paragraph. I understand what those stupid lawyers said. I get it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Next yeah. paragraph, please. <laughs> okay. That's how you do it. That I've got yeah. this. I got it. I understand okay. it. I know what I'm reading. I am not being bored with it or um, uh, nodding off or uh, confused. That if I don't understand it, I go back and I read it again and I put it together and I figure out what it is and got it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so then the next one that I was going to add is when we're around other people actually is listening to actually listen to people because they're talking in the here now. Most what we do when we're around others is that we're waiting for them to shut up so we can talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've already, she's, he's already said what he, what he said that got me clicked. And now I know what I said. Now I want him to shut up so I can t tell him what I thought <laughs> three or four minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. I know. And mean. I see that on t TV a lot. The anchors on the uh, the newscast and what uh, what not like that. Um, that that's in fact one of the reasons why they want uh, the the Senate and the House of Representatives to be considered honorable and noble is is that they give someone a voice. They can be wrong, but this is their time. Mm. I can be agree with I can disagree with them completely, but I don't have to stand up and shout you're wrong, you're a liar or anything. I can hold my peace and listen to what they have to say. Well, actually, they don't generally listen to what each other says. But but if they're going to be completely honorable, then, yes, they do listen to what each other say. And so in, in real life, you can listen to other people honorably. You can give them their say. You can mm -hmm. allow them to have what, what uh, they have. And that if they are wrong, in fact, they're just giving you more and more ammunition. <laughs> your, your job is to listen to them and keep track of what they're saying. Collect the ammo. Right. Collect that ammo. And and in that regard, that's the way that we I get you. I really understand what you're saying. I am not confused and I don't disagree with you. I actually understand what you're saying. Mm. Yeah. Wow. And, and so this is the way that we begin to approach all of our daily activities. Reading videos listening to other people and whatnot like that is with this eye of sati. Am I listening? Am I actually paying attention to what this guy's saying or am I piddling with something? Yeah. So you recommend, so now this comes to the next thing uh, <clears throat> on sort of, I would say my yesterday up until maybe like six, six o'clock or something like that. I did a very good job, I would say, of uh, remaining trying to practice Anapanasati like off the cushion, I would say. Um, mm -hmm. But the way I've, I've been doing it is sort of, uh, for the most part, very, how do I put this? Like, 
I'm, I'm using sort of the same things I would use while sitting down and doing these things. But it sounds like what you're saying is that actually rather we can, you know, when we're reading, instead of saying, instead of like doing like a, oh, you're marvelous or uh, everything is okay right now, you, you actually read it and you say, I, I can like, you know, you take effect on, on what's, what you're, what you're doing more so. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, like, I'm just thinking about all the other parts of the day. So just like, you know, when I'm not at work or, um, cause like what I was doing was kind of just like running the, the making, just keeping the the thoughts to be wholesome, to be something like everything is okay. Even if I'm like cooking or something like that, like I'm thinking everything is okay. But would you then say, instead of saying everything's okay while you're cooking, maybe say I'm doing an amazing job at cooking this. Is that like better? It should be both. Okay. <laughs> both. <laughs> both. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yes. Yeah, pay attention okay. to what you're doing in the moment with great gusto and great glee. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the right thing and to that's do. That's well. Yeah. As I was say, it's the, it's the right thing to do. I mean, this is the, how we started the conversation um, to, you know, really, if we could put it in terms of the five aggregates or the four foundations of mindfulness that you I kind of look at them as like boxes in a way and that you could be aware of what's in the box is to know what's in that box and make sure what no matter what you're doing that what's in that box is wholesome yes and in that regard also uh from the from uh, a tip of the hat towards Naroda we also are aware of what's not in the box mm. Okay, yes. The full investigation is not only what's there, but what's not there that you would expect to be there. Yes. Um, or to appreciate the fact that it's not there. And some of the uh, analogies was like uh, the Buddha saying that here in the forest, there is no village. There's no village here in the forest. Mm. Almost as if how marvelous it is that we don't have to deal with the fact that there's no village here. Okay. And yet, but the guys who are out in the forest, they don't uh, have that appreciation. Okay, so that's another thing. This part of the investigation is what is there and what is not there. What is not there. But could it also be what is not there in terms of a positive way too? And like I can separate yes. this? Yes, there is no dukkha here. That's the no, third well, noble well, truth. No, what I was saying is uh, maybe what is not here in a negative way um, to say there's there's certain for example i remember you know just the last meditation session i did um i had like the the gladdening of the mind thoughts in or whatever like certain thoughts going that were good but there was one thing that i i remembered you saying about like how just kind of like the all we're already enlightened and that kind of allowed me to sort of like maybe let go or relax a little bit more even like even more than i already was and it brought Mm -hmm. me in a bringing that component in um like kind of was great was great uh beneficial yes that's it just everything is okay so practicing anathanasati never needed to be on the cushion in the first place Mm. the buddha didn't have cushions as far as I know, all of the monks that I know don't have cushions. I don't know of any Theravada monk anywhere in the world that carries a cushion around from 
his room to the meditation hall. <laughs> wow. Not a one. Yeah. Christians are completely Western. Now, uh, the monks do have a sitting cloth. And then it's, uh, uh, some are two or three layers. And they're about that big, but it's only, uh, it's actually designed to sit, to be on the ground so that you don't get the robes dirty. Yeah. And that you can clean that, uh, that sitting cloth. But then they take the sitting cloth and put it anywhere. So when all the monks are sitting in a row, they're all sitting on a sitting cloth or whatever the people have brought there for them to sit on. And in many cases, they sit on cushions because that's what was there. <laughs> that was what they were expected to sit on. But the monks are not carrying their own cushions as far as I know. So the whole idea then of the cushion is kind of... Um, Western in its orientation. It's the Western mindset. Yeah. Um, but the Buddha also talked about the four postures, almost as if any posture will do, whatever postures. That I, in fact, I like to add a fifth posture just to because that's the thing to do. You know, there's four postures. We're sitting. There's standing, there's walking, and there's reclining posture, especially the reclining posture of um, the uh, the lion's pose or the reclining Buddha's posture. But in fact, uh, all of the ways of laying down, whether we're in a fetal position or laying on our back or laying on our stomach or whatever like that, is all just reclining posture. But there's a there is a kind of a posture that's halfway between the sitting and the re and the full reclining posture that um, I generally refer to as the centerfold posture. Hmm. What's uh, that? Well, haven't you ever seen the centerfold? Maybe those kind of girly magazines are way be before you. But it, in the old days, they had a reclining posture. Um, Basically up on the elbow, laying on a bed up on your elbow would be. Oh, I mean like this? Yeah, like that. Right. Okay. That's. Uh, yeah. And so that's another um, uh, of the postures. But basically, we could just say that there are four postures and all of them are opportunities for practicing Anapanasati. Do we practice it in any posture? There's, there's everything big... is a opportunity. <laughs> yeah, right. There's a... <laughs> and and so we begin to take that as a, as our as our opportunity mm -hmm. to practice, um, and that we can actually begin to add new anchors uh, to our practice, and so. Uh, today, the anchor that I give you is the anchor of whatever it is that you're uh, you're doing. Pay attention to it with with gusto. That okay, I'm going to read this. I'm going to make sure that when I'm reading it, I get it. If I'm reading a legal document, I get it. If I'm watching uh, um, if I'm watching a Wiley Coyote cartoon, let me see if I can get all the subtle details that the uh, uh, the writers put in there 
because mm-hmm. most kids miss half of what's in a cartoon anyway, even if they're paying attention to it. You got to pay really close attention to what's going on. Yeah. Okay. So this is a way of doing it. And when you're with someone else listening to what they're saying, pay attention. So this is this is actually part of mindfulness to to literally be here now. Even when we're engaged with some activity, if you are actually a jeweler putting uh, mounting diamonds on diamond rings and pay attention to what you're doing. And, and do it with the right attitude. I've got this. Yeah, I've got this. I can do this. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And is it, <laughs> I guess the question is, let's say I'm reading the legal document. I mean, I, I, I think you already know the answer. I was going to say, if I'm reading the legal document, that means I could get into, if I have my right attitude, if uh, I'm here now, if I can sustain myself on that then that means that i can enter the jhana on that legal document is that what you're saying is that possible yeah <laughs> yeah sure. yeah walking around in first jhana is okay to do yeah i guess a better question would be if you uh if jhana has five aggregates or five factors which one are you willing to give up <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> None. Because <laughs> when you remember, you just gather them all back up again. I don't think that there's any factors that I want to leave out intentionally. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I mm-hmm. see what you're saying. And the beauty of that is that every fuel has its fired. So you know when you get those factors coming in. You know what's in store. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know wow. that. Hey, man, this is so nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had two questions I wanted to squeeze in, but I almost wonder. Um, maybe you could talk about one. Is hmm? It, it's really a right effort question because I just know, like yesterday, I was very. Uh, Maybe diligence is the word, but um, just doing it, trying to do the Anapanasati and then keep it up. And then I, I kind of felt like I hit a wall, let's say at like six o'clock. I also didn't have very much sleep. I got so like tired towards the end of the day. Um, so I don't know. Um, obviously, we know, we know, I, I've heard you say before, you know, taking the deep breath is going to wake you up. But at that point, I, I really could not probably muster up the right effort to. I remember I remember just thinking to my head myself, I'm tired now, I need to take this deep breath and just really not even taking that deep of a if breath. If you and have the like, opportunity, you can take a nap. Lay down and rest. Yeah. But when you lay down and rest, don't lay down and rest and worry about what you're not doing while you're resting. Yeah. But when you lay down to rest, even if you can't lay down, you can sit down to rest. And when you're sitting down to rest, you can make sure that you're resting. Let me rest now. Yeah. Maybe a 20 minute nap would have helped. I did have some obligations, um, but maybe a 20, I could have probably could have gotten away with a 20 minute nap or something like that, you know? Would have mm-hmm. helped. Would have helped. Um, there is a trick. And that the trick, um, it comes in many forms, but there was a trick that, um, 
JFK, John Fitzgerald Kennedy, the president of the United States at one time, back 60 through 62, that uh, he had a trick of giving himself naps often throughout the day. And that the way that he would do that would be by taking his shoe off and holding the shoe with one finger by the uh, by the not the heel, but on the inside of the shoe. And another way of doing it would be like a coffee cup here that I'm holding like this and just hold the coffee cup like that. And when the shoe drops or when you drop the coffee cup or you can actually just hold an item in your hand. Let me see something here. Oh, don't want to use that. Okay, yeah, let's use this. So whatever it is, I can just hold it in my hand and let myself go, you know, just take a little nap. And the wake-up call is when it drops on the floor, when -hmm. you drop it, okay? So that's the way that, uh, that you can have short naps is you can have that timer that when you actually do drop off into sleep then you're at rest now you don't have to stay there and so the hands relax everything relaxes and when the hands relax like that because your intention with sati is to hold that coffee cup or to hold that item to hold that shoe and when the foot when the and the you know the shoe or the cup is heavy and so when you completely relax, it's going to fall. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna, I, I might try that. That's, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give that a shot. How long does that normally take? I don't know. I'm, I'm not a big napper, so that's the thing. I want to get used to that, <laughs> take a nap. Mm-hmm. Well, practice with something in your hand that can, you know, put, to, put your hand into position that things will fall yeah and that let that be your wake up i'll give that a shot i'll give that a shot um one last thing that i wanted to bring up i mean this is just a something that happened to me uh i was this was actually like the same situation like yesterday and i had gotten like really tired like i said and um i think i was just doing one last meditation session like at night and uh i had you know, I have this thing going on and really throughout the day, it was just so wonderful because throughout the day I was able to, let's say, uh, stave off whatever like sort of emotional distress that I was having about the situation that I had going on. And I was in a really, really positive, uh, good mood. But, you know, as I said, as I got tired and I couldn't, <laughs> could hardly fight it off, things like that. Um, and I think I went to the gym and I came back and then I went to do the meditation session. But, um just I, I think I was, you know, maybe maybe whatever the, the unwholesome things came in, like during my session, uh, I remember trying to to do like to say, you know, the wholesome thoughts, put the wholesome thoughts in. And I just remember like saying those wholesome thoughts, saying them and then like um, like kind of just losing it, like tears started coming down just because like, it was it was really emotionally difficult for me, um, even while I'm trying to do that. And then, but something like this, I guess this is like another high level of sati, maybe. I just, I said, you know, this isn't working. I remember like, you know, try, try, like I was kept trying and trying again, like saying like, everything's okay, like in my mind or whatever. And that wasn't really working. 
but you know you like try like look at what you're doing you know and and i kind of did that and then i said let me try something else and so i i i said to the part of me that was like feeling like you know not so good i was like you know i think i might use hey mr turd or maybe i call it like a puppy and i was like you're, you're so lonely like come hang out with me like come hang out with us like we're one like let's hang out together let's take care of each other like the part of me that was like really upset and like saying that and and, and inviting it to come in instead of trying to use these phrases these wholesome phrases to kind of push out the unwholesome stuff that was there but instead of doing that i said okay well if that's not working let's invite invite the the negative stuff or whatever it is like and make it a, a wholesome gathering mm -hmm. and and that like turned turn it around and i was able to go in the reclining position in bed and went to bed feeling actually like really good great good i'm glad yeah. that you were able to turn that around yeah. Because even though you were saying the gladdening of the mind words, you still were being critical of that part of you that was not coming around. Mm -hmm. But when you when you gave it permission, when you gave it uh, uh, the nurturing, okay, everything, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and that's very subtle. That's very subtle. That's the difference between uh, liking that is part of the liking, not liking of critical thought. You're still being critical rather than being nurturing. Now you finally turned it in. Okay, that's the change that you made. Now that you've made it, you got it. Yes. It's hard for me to speak to that, but you, you, you finally made that switch. Excellent. Yes, yes exactly. Remember that. Remember. <laughs> Do not be critical with yourself. Exactly. So maybe that's like a, a Vedana toward what I was saying is like a Vedana topic kind of, would you say? Well, it's beginning to manage your own feelings. Mm -hmm. Rather than having the feelings that uh, are there. In other words, we can put words to whatever we're feeling. Or we can change the feelings. Yeah. And you said yeah, that that was a deeper level, though. That that's like requires yes. more skill. Yes, congratulations! You've required more skill. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Let's you. We had that talk, and I must have listened to that talk like a lot, like ten times. Um, when you talked about getting your sati, your anapanasati, up to scratch, mm -hmm. and you know this time that I was describing here was, you know, obviously when I needed it most. And I think that from when we had had that conversation, I picked up the practice a bit more and uh, de devoted a bit more. And so I would say, you know, in that time when I needed it most, we had a little bit more scratch to work with. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. So now you can see how the skills develop. They develop that way. Yes. Yes. So it must continue on. <laughs> yes. Congratulations for making it. That's really great. Yes. So continue on with that. Okay. Now is the time that's dangerous because you can say, okay, I've got it. Now I don't have to practice anymore. And then the old stuff will start slipping back in. Yeah. 
just because you got your boat dry or bailed to dry now doesn't mean that it's still not leaky. <laughs> you got to keep bailing. <laughs> I've been there a couple of times now already, I feel like. So I know I, I know the danger in that. I know the danger in, uh, in uh, I guess, well, rate, like, you know, celebrating too early. Don't celebrate too early. <laughs> <laughs> You stop. You stop running. You, you don't. You don't sprint through the uh, the finish line, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then the guy behind you comes and passes you. Well, Keishon, this is really great. Congratulations. I I can see great progress. Thank you. I think pretty soon other people will be able to see that progress. You're making a change. Your personality is not fixed. You're not who you were two months ago. No. <laughs> no. No, I'm going to keep moving this direction. Well, I'm going to let you go now. And, and thank we'll you for the help. <laughs> Would it, like, imagine if I didn't find your, your videos. Wow. <laughs> it's, it just, it's always good, though. That's the whole thing about it. It doesn't oh just... God. <laughs> I, I I always tell this story to people um, and this is like a synchronicity thing I think I don't know about how I found your video actually it was just such an interesting such a such a mind-blowing like thing for me at the time it was so interesting how I like ended up getting into this um, which was I was reading this book and it say that I'm reading the book and the book mentions this other book called you're okay I'm okay okay but before I started reading that book, I was listening to this podcast, and um, I think it was your podcast, right? And I had paused your podcast at a certain point in the, in the podcast uh, with Guru Viking. I had paused that video at a certain point, and then I put it down, and I went to the book, and I read the book, and I said, you're okay, I'm okay. And then I went, at, later on, I put the book down, and then I put back on the podcast, and the, the next word you say is, you're okay, I'm okay. And I had like, <laughs> looked up the book on my phone, too. And I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. And now you are okay. <laughs> there we are. <laughs> wow. That's really great. I'm glad to hear that. You had something to it. All right, I'll let you go now. Thank you. Okay, well, we'll see you in the next several days. All right. Keep going. Till, we'll till we meet again.